captain, you're dismissed. And for the rest of us, welcome. I greet you in the name of my Savior. I'm happy to see you. Glad you're here. Reminds me of Chuck, you're trying to get Nancy to come to church, you know, just uh, trying to drag her in here. But uh, <laughs> is that rude? I'm so sorry. Uh, welcome. Um, bless you for being here with us. Um, I hope that I'm not going to step off into something uh, this morning that, that uh, is beyond my uh, pay grade, uh, but I wanted to talk to you about something that's sort of been on my heart and mind this week, or the last couple of weeks, actually. I want to uh, put two names in the same sentence. Okay? And uh, uh, I want to put my dad, who was also named Larry, my dad and Kanye West <laughs> in the same sentence. And uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that if there is... Um, connection out in the universe both of them stopped right about now and said what um i want to talk to you about that uh you'll never find two people that have less in common but uh, i read a verse this week that sort of in my, for me connected both of them uh it's in proverbs chapter 13 verse 7 and it says this there are some who appear to be rich, but are really poor. I want you to think about that. I want to say it again. There, the Bible says, Solomon says, the wisest man that ever lived says, there are some people who appear to be rich, but they're really poor. When I read that verse this week, I thought of my dad and I thought of Kanye West. Let me talk about um, uh, I've said this to some of y'all before. The, the man that y'all knew the last 10 years or so uh, that I called my dad, that was not the man that raised me. Uh, he was a very different man when, when I was growing up than the man that y'all knew. Um, and one of the ways that he was different, uh, the man that reared me versus the man that y'all knew, was in his perspective if you will, or his attitude regarding gratitude. Um, growing up in my dad's house, was a, it was an experience. And not uh, for the faint of heart. Uh, definitely, in many ways, no kidding, it was a survival of the fittest. Uh, you weeded out anybody that was weak and infirmed. Uh, they just didn't make it. Um, and so it, you had to learn to be tough growing up. And one of the things that was a, a, a constant theme running through my through the the communication in my dad's house when I was a kid especially when I was about Dalton's age and you know well until I left home I guess um, was that we were constantly I don't mean once a year twice a year quarter every quarter I mean constantly we were reminded of my dad's rags to riches story his self-sufficiency his success uh anything like that uh boy you have you don't know how good you've got it you you know i had to walk 50 miles uphill in the in a blizzard to school and then in, and then the hill changed directions and i had to walk uphill 50 miles back home you know that kind of a that kind of a thing and and uh in my dad's not defense, but uh, he did have a tough rearing. Uh, he, he lived in the poorest community in his community, the poorest little area of his community. And he spent every afternoon as a little child 
picking cotton uh, with other people um, just so that they would have food to eat. They were very, very poor and had a very tough uh, life. And, and, um, uh, but he, he wanted the children to know about that. He, want, they, he wanted us to know that he had become very successful, that that was his doing. He was very self-sufficient. And that everything he had, he had obtained in his own strength, in his own abilities, and it was his. If I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. Boy, that room you live, you sleep in, that's my room. That's my bed. The clothes in that closet are my clothes. And all, the food in that refrigerator is my food. I've heard, literally, when I tell you I heard it a thousand times, that wouldn't even be the real number. It was more than that. Um, it was a big deal to him. On various levels, looking back now, he wanted me to not just know that about him. He wanted me to be like that. He wanted me to, uh, to be very self-sufficient, very independent, to not depend upon anybody uh, to be able to, you know, no matter what you face in life, you lower your head and lower your shoulder and you, by hook or by crook, knock through it or around it or over it or under it. Uh, and so some of it was his philosophy on parenting. Uh, but some of it was just he wanted everybody to know that, that he was a success and it was his doing. That's just the truth. Uh, it was a big deal to him that we knew and remembered and stayed in awe that everything he had, everything he had achieved, everything that he was, he had done it all by himself. And so, um, growing up in that lovely, nurturing type environment, I turned 18, I bought me a little yellow uh, Dodge Colt, and as fast as my two little fat legs could carry me, I got in that car and left, lit out for Virginia. And uh, my dad didn't know where I, I mean, I told him, he, I walked in one day, I said, Dad, I'm going to college. He said, well, that's good. He said, where, where, he said, where are you going? I said, it's a school up in Virginia. He said, do you know how to get there? And I said, I can get there. He said, well, okay, well, be careful. Bye. <laughs> that was the totality of our, uh, you know, and... And, uh, you know, that was just the way it was, and I lit out. When I came home, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I didn't talk to my mom and dad between, that was August and Christmas. I didn't talk to them. Not because I was mad, I just, you know, nobody had cell phones. There wasn't a cell phone back then. And uh, you had to stand in line to get to the payphone. I wasn't standing in line to talk to anybody uh, and so uh, Shirley was up there, so I, did, I could talk to her without standing in line. So there wasn't any, anybody else I wanted to stand. So I didn't talk to them from, from August to Christmas. And uh, came home for Christmas, and Dad goes, well, you know. Anyway, I digress on all that. But um, I, I bet I didn't come home four times in four years. But when I came home at the end of my college journey, my dad was very different. He was, he was the man that y'all know or knew. He was very different. Uh, and it took me a while to, to figure it out and uh, to process it and understand it. Um, uh, and I remember one night he and I were sitting out on his screen porch and uh, he said, Larry! Uh, you know, he would say, I made a preacher. And, uh, uh, and he said, I was reading in the Bible, which, number one, I was, the very statement, I was reading in the Bible. I mean, uh, you know, the, the racing forms, maybe, or the, you know, or, or, or but, but, but the, the Bible, uh, he didn't read, really. But anyway, he was reading in the Bible and read his Bible from, from the time I was probably 27, 28. Till, they, till, till he couldn't read anymore a couple of years ago. Um, which was a huge uh, deal. But anyway, I'll never forget it. We were sitting out there and he said, I was reading in the Bible the other day, this Bible verse uh, in Romans chapter 5, 
uh, verse 8, and I wrote it down. It said, um, God demonstrated his love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He said, is that right? And I said, well, it's in the Bible. So, yes, sir, I believe it's right. And he said, I never heard that before. He said, you believe that? And I said, yes, sir, I believe it with all my heart. He said, well, you know, I always sort of thought that you, God was a guy that you did a deal with. If I lived good enough, long enough, then he would sort of make sure I got to heaven. But the way that verse is saying that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that he died for me and loved me while I was still really acting bad. And I said, yes, sir, that's exactly what it means. He said, I never heard of that before. He said, that's, that's a big deal. And I said, yes, sir, that, that's a big deal. Um, and what had happened in my dad's life was that he had given his life, his heart to Christ. He had accepted Jesus as his Savior. And um, took him a couple of years to, to, to talk to me about that. Because he wasn't really sure what accepted Christ as his Savior. But he had a lot to think about. But... At the end of the day, he had accepted Christ as his Savior. And uh, my dad changed. And my dad changed in a lot of ways. But one of the, one of the ways that he changed uh, profoundly. Nancy, would you sit down? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, one of the ways that my dad changed profoundly was in his perspective on... His source of blessings and provision. He, he, I never knew my dad. No, he would, you know, we would pray over dinner on Sunday lunch. I think that was when we would pray. Kind of a deal, uh, if I remember that well. Uh, he would say some little old poem, you know, one of these little poem prayer kind of deals. Uh, that rhymes and all that kind of, all that kind of shenanigans, but nonetheless, um, uh, but I never remember gratitude being a part of my dad's life. I never remember that being a reality in his life. I never remember. Uh, I never remember my dad really saying thank you. I don't I don't I can't remember that being uh, a part of who he was, but when I got finished with college, that became a huge part of his vocabulary, a huge part of his life. He had a true transformation in his perspective that now he saw or he believed that everything in his life was, was it came from God. God had provided it. God had done it. God had helped him. God had protected him. God had uh, poured out his abundance on him. And he would talk that way about the Lord's blessings and his thankfulness and gratitude for those blessings, God's forgiveness, God's love, God's help. Um, it was one of the. Um, it was one of the things that, you know, when you when you've got a, a loved one who dies. You know, you. Some of you, I can just I see it in the way you live your life. You don't think two minutes about where your loved ones are going to spend eternity. It is not on your radar. I know it. When they die, all of a sudden it is on your radar. Where in the Sam Hill are they? Where are they? And where are they going to be forever? I mean, it, is, it, is a, it, is a, it becomes a priority. And um, 
My dad died. And I, one of the evidences, one of the reasons that I have incredible peace and joy knowing that my, where, that my dad is now no longer sick um, is the transformation in my dad's life from his passionate belief that everything in his life came from him to an equally passionate belief that everything in his life came from God. And it gives me, only God could do that. I mean, I'm just telling you, only God can, could have possibly revealed that to my dad, that my dad, every good thing in his life, came from God. Only God could reveal that to him. Last week and a half or so, just to be honest with you, until about a week and a half ago, I never heard of Kanye West. I didn't know who that was. I mean, and I know he's one of the most famous people on the planet, but there's a lot of famous people on the planet that I, that I, that I don't know. Uh, but these people would send, you know, people would send me things. People would in conversations would want to talk to me about this person. And, uh, and, I, and again, so I'm stepping off here because I, I don't know. Here's what I know about him. Two years ago, because I heard him say this. I, I, I uh, Googled some stuff, some little clips. I said, two years ago, Kanye West said, I am a king and I am God. Now, buddy, that's bold talk. To say, to declare, and he meant it. He wasn't just stirring the pot. He meant it. I am a king and I am God. Um, he believed with all of his heart that he was absolutely all-sufficient, had the capabilities to do anything and everything that he would ever want to do in life, and that he was solely responsible for his success, fame, and wealth. Now, those are his words. I'm not judging the man. I'm just telling you what he said. And yet, I heard him on a, an interview. I don't know exactly when the interview took place. It was not when I heard it. You know, it was taped. But it wasn't. It was within the last few months. I heard him say this. I give glory and thanks to Jesus Christ for God's mercy, His provision, his blessings and my salvation. Now you think about that. Anybody that two years ago would declare, I am a king and a God. No, I'm sorry, not a God. He said, I am God. And 24 months later, he says, I give glory and thanks to Jesus Christ for God's mercy, provision, blessings, and salvation. Again, I have to say, in my belief system, only God could do that. Only God could open somebody's eyes and change somebody. I am God to a belief system where I give praise and glory to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Made me think of Nebuchadnezzar. I'm reading in Daniel now in my journey through the Bible. Lord, I hope some of y'all are reading with me. Uh, through that uh, uh, 
anyway, I'm so happy to be out of Ezekiel and uh, uh, to be in Daniel. Uh, and uh, in uh, Daniel chapter 4, <laughs> Daniel stands before the mightiest ruler on the face of the planet at that time. And he says, if you don't humble yourself and repent of your sins, and bow your heart before God Almighty. Very bad things are going to take, happen to you. And I'm sure Nebuchadnezzar said, you are crazy. Funny thing about old Daniel, that when Daniel spoke, what he said happened. And a few months later, uh, some very, very, very bad things happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, but there came a point, the Bible says, when Nebuchadnezzar's eyes were opened. And here's what he said. I lived and did as I wanted. And I saw myself as a God above all gods. Sounds just like Kanye West. I lived and did as I wanted. And I saw myself as a God above all gods. But now I know and praise and glorify the King of Heaven. And I declare that all His ways are right and just. I say again, only God could open somebody's eyes to that truth, to that reality. I've just been thinking this week as we approach Thanksgiving um, about this issue of gratitude. The acknowledgement that the good things in my life came from an outside source. That's what gratitude is. The acknowledgement that the good things in my life came from an outside source. And I looked up a bunch of verses on thankfulness and gratitude, and in the process I looked up two verses about the opposite, ingratitude. And I want to read those two verses to you. Listen to this. One's out of Romans chapter 1, and it says this. Paul says, Though they, they being people who, Romans chapter 1 is talking about people that are not Christians that do not know the Lord, that have no relationship with God. And here's what he says. Though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or give Him thanks and became futile in their thinking and darkened in their foolish hearts. There is a a severe consequence, according to that verse, there's a severe consequence to getting into a place where I think that I am the source of the good things in my life. Paul says, My thinking becomes futile or worthless. And my foolish heart becomes darkened. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says to Timothy, Know this, that in the last days there will be times of great difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, and ungrateful. Wow. Paul puts a lack of gratitude. A belief that the good things in my life. I deserve. And I've gotten them. They, they come from me. I deserve them. I'm worthy of them. And they come from me. I'm the source. Paul puts that person who believes that 
in the same category as a man that would walk up to his wife and slap her teeth out of her head. That's what he means when he says abusive. He, he puts that person in the same category as a man that would mercilessly beat his children. That's pretty uh, bad company, isn't it? Ingratitude seems to be, in Paul's mind, one of the most dark, distasteful, and destructive of all sins. And at the end of the day, the bottom line is that if you read those two verses together, what Paul is saying is that ingratitude is a quality that indicates that a person does not really know God. My dad's life validates that for me. When he didn't know God, every when he enjoyed came from him. When he met God and experienced God's grace and salvation and God invaded his life, he no longer believed that. And he began to believe that all the good things in his life came from an outside source. I sort of think about people in the Bible. Is that true, Lord? Is is ingratitude a quality that would reflect a person who doesn't know God? And gratitude would be a quality that that would be reflected in the life of a person who does know God? Thought about the prodigal son and the older brother. Think about the older brother for just a second. You know, the fellow out in the field, working, obeying, following the rules, being successful. Remember what he said? Dad, I, I've done everything you wanted me to do. I've obeyed the rules. I've worked my butt off for you. I, I, I. There's no gratitude in the older brother's life. You know why? He doesn't know God. The Pharisee and the publican. Remember uh, um, the two dudes walk into the temple to pray one day? I don't know if it was the temple or the synagogue. But anyway, they walked into God's house. And the publican, the tax collector, goes over in the corner and says, God, thank you. Thank you. And the Pharisee walks up in front of the right in front of the whole place and says, God, thank you for all the things that I have done. I fast. I obey. I do this. I do that. Every, God, thank you for making me so stinking wonderful. Thank you for giving me the abilities to create this wonderful life that I've created for me. There was no gratitude in the Pharisee's life. You know why? He didn't know the Lord. I thought about Judas and Mary Magdalene. Remember when Mary Magdalene came before Jesus? They were having dinner one night. And Mary Magdalene had gone out and sold everything she had, seems like, and bought this perfume and went in and fell down at the feet of Jesus and anointed Jesus' feet with this perfume. And Judas sees her do this. And rather than saying, my goodness, How lovely, how beautiful, how wonderful. She should have sold that and given that money to the poor. What he really meant was she should have sold that and given the money to me and then I would have dispersed it as I saw fit. There's no gratitude in Judas. You never see Judas say thank you. There's no gratitude in Judas's life versus the gratitude that you see in Mary Magdalene. The rich man and Lazarus. The rich man has no gratitude. My barns, my crops, my wealth, all that I've done, it's all me. Look what I've done. There's no gratitude in his life. Why? He didn't know God. The town people and the demoniac. There's a man that's terrorized a town for years. Jesus comes and meets this guy. And heals him. Cast the demons out. 
The town has been set free. Not just the man, but the town has been set free. Uh, 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 crush out. Hey, hey, you see our uh, 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 cry, uh, no, or what is it, was it sheep or sheep? Pigs, yeah, good Lord, thank you. Pigs, the, our pigs ran off this cliff. There's no gratitude, there's no thanks. Why? The people didn't know God. The demoniac, in contrast, what's he do? He falls down at the feet of Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to go where you going, I want to go. What a contrast in the lives of people in the Bible between those who knew God and the result, one of the results, was that they were grateful. Gratitude defined and flowed out of their lives versus people who didn't know God. I'm not saying they weren't successful or wealthy or pretty or popular or even nice people. But they, they didn't know God. That seems to be the indication in all these people's lives. And one of the reasons that you could tell they didn't know God is there was no gratitude. There was no gratitude at all. I would declare to us all that there is no greater assurance for our own lives and there's no greater evidence to other people about our lives that we know God and that we're going to go to heaven when we die than the real, genuine consistent manifestations of gratitude grateful people i don't I, people that consistently gratitude flows out of them they're not always finding the negative well i found a 5 dollar bill in the parking lot why wasn't it a 20 why wasn't it well just, just the people, I'm telling you, one of the greatest evidences or, or, or assurances, do I know God? Do I really know God? Does He live in my life? And ultimately, does that, if He does, I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever doubt that? Do you ever wrestle with that? Is that ever an uncertainty for you? Well, let me just, in case some of you uh, high and mighty smart people that would like to create an image of that. I struggle with it. So I'm betting you do too. I wrestle with that. Is this thing real? Is it real in my life? Do I really know God? Am I really going to go to heaven when I die? One of the reasons that I can have an assurance that I know God and God lives in my life and I will ultimately go to heaven to be with Him forever is, is there a genuine awareness, understanding, and expression of gratitude for the blessings of God in my life? Do I actually have a worldview that is Everything in my life is a gift from God. Only God could show you that. Only God could reveal that to me. That is not what a natural man believes. That's why for some of you in this room, and I, I'm, I'm just trying to be very honest, for some of you in this room, you are offended at this. This is a message that you do not like. It, it, it's, it's very unpalatable. It's very offensive. It's very distasteful. To, to be confronted with the reality that everything in your life is a gift from God. That your abilities, your blessings, your, the people in your life that, 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 you, that you find to be sources of joy, those are gifts from God. The natural man doesn't like that. The natural man doesn't believe that. It, it, it offends him. But a man that has been invaded with the presence of God. You see that. 
Like my dad saw it. Oh my gosh. God gave me these things. God is my source. God is my provider. God is in some amazing way. He's good. Because I've experienced good things in life. Only God can show that to people. Only God can show that to you and to me. There's no great. And let me tell you something. There's no greater assurance that you can have that you know God than do you. Would you say, yeah, I am a grateful person. And I see that everything in my life is a gift from God. It's also evidence to other people. But when, when I'm around people and there are certain people in my life, um, I know that I know that I know that I know that when I die and go to heaven, Alan Boland's going to be, uh, hopefully I'll beat him there, uh, but I'll greet him when he gets there. Now hopefully me and Peter are going to play with him a little bit before at the gate, but that'll be a whole other thing. Uh, but I know that he will be there. And you know one of the main reasons that I know that he'll be there? Is that Alan is a man that understands that the idea, the principle of gratitude. He sees it. He feels it. He believes it. God has opened his eyes to the reality that every good thing in his life is a gift and a blessing from God. I went to New Orleans with my wife a couple of weekends ago for my 60th birthday. She asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I said, I'd like to go somewhere just with you. She goes, don't you mean throw you a party? And I said, well, you can, but I'm not going to it. Because <laughs> I, actually, I hate parties. And, uh, and sometimes I have to go because I don't want to hurt your feelings, but, but I don't have to go to my own. <laughs> and I wouldn't have. Um, and, and, and I said, let's just go to New Orleans and, and hang out. And we, we had such a nice time. It was so, so fun. And uh, uh, I just enjoyed being with her. And we went to the, the World War II Museum. And uh, I don't know if you've had a pri the privilege of going to that museum in New Orleans. But oh my gosh. Uh, just for the sake of time, I'll just say this. You can't walk out of that museum and not want to go and, and thank a military people. What they endured and it's describable. You, you can't, you can't. It's just the, it's the, if you're a human being, and you witness what they endured and experienced. You want to go thank them. It's, gratitude is just the natural response of witnessing such unbelievable, indescribable sacrifice and suffering for my behalf, on my behalf. We also ate some good food. And when I tell you we ate good food, it was... I'm still paying for it, but we, we, uh, we, uh, we ate good. My wife picked four restaurants that were so good. It was just beyond good. And again, you can't get up from the table and not want to go back into the kitchen and just look at the chef in the face and go, thank you. That was, it's just, it's, 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 it's the right thing. It's fitting. It makes sense. I believe, just as a human being, that when you experience things of, of unbelievable sacrifice, unbelievable blessing, unbelievable uh, joy that's, that you experience because of somebody else, it makes us want to just say thank you. It, it produces a desire for praise when we witness it. I, I, I'll never forget, I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said, uh, the saddest person in the world is an atheist. And the reason he's the saddest person in the world is because when he sees a sunset, he doesn't know who to thank. 
the thanks, the gratitude, the expression of, of verbalizing, ah, oh, that was good. Ah, oh, that was great. Ah, oh, I can't believe somebody would do that for me. That, that's part of the joy. It's, it's, it's part of the experience of, that makes it so wonderful when we can express the impact that it had on our lives. Whether it's a good book or a good movie or a good song, whether it's uh, climbing a mountain or, or sitting by the sea or holding the hand of somebody that you, that you love and, and expressing that that gratitude, that joy. It, it's, it's the right. In fact, David says this in Psalm 33. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. For it is fitting for the pure to praise Him. David understood what I'm saying. It's just fitting. You eat a good meal that knocks your socks off. And what do you want to do? You want to go back and say, Chef. That was great. Thank you. You, you. you witness people that sacrifice, whether it's a fireman or a policeman, or a, you, 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 you uh, uh, have surgery, or your loved one has surgery. I can remember like it was yesterday. Marvin Levendahl walking out of that, out of that operating room and telling me that Shirley was going to be okay. Buddy, I ran up and grabbed that big old dude and hugged him and I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's the natural, it's the right thing to do. It's what you almost can't, it's irresistible. You can't help it. So my question for you and for me today is, who do you see, who do I see as the ultimate source of the good things in your life. I'm not talking about lip service. Oh yeah, God's good all the time. God, God provided everything. Thank God. God's my co-pilot. I hate that bumper sticker. I desp- I don't know that God. I don't know. Maybe that's Kanye West. Maybe he's supposed to be my co-pilot. Because I can tell you right now, the God of my Bible is nobody's co-pilot. He's not the helper. He's not the assistant. That is not who he is. I've never in my life met that God. I've never read about that God. God is not my co-pilot. And yet, if I'm not careful in my parenting, in my marriage, in my, my friendships, in health, in my journey through life, in my friendships, if I'm not, if I don't do battle every day, I can little by little ease over into this place where God is my co-pilot. Yes, He's involved. Yes, I'm thankful, but at the end of the day, the good things in my life, the blessings in my life, the provision, the joy, it falls on me. It's all about me. Do I see? Do I give thanks? Do I realize that God is the source of my salvation? Some of y'all came to church today because you believe that if you come to church enough, you'll get favor from God and He'll let you in the gate. Some of you give money because if you give enough money faithfully over a long enough period of time, God will bless you. He will go, Woo, Michael Shira. I saw, Woo, you, you, you given a bunch. And I hope you do. Uh, but, but uh, uh, Woo, you're giving a bunch. I'm now honor-bound and obligated to pour out my blessings on you for your faithfulness. Is that right? That's the way that works? Tit for tat? 
I do good in God's honor bound to do good back to me. I just want us to think about does my wife at the end of the day who does she down and she knows who do I ultimately give credit to and glory to for the good things in my life. She knows. My daughter knows. Well, we'll end. Dang it. Um, only God can reveal to people His beauty, His faithfulness, His delight in you and in me, His commitment to our good. Only God can open our eyes. In, our, in and of ourselves, in our natural man. We're all like my dad. We do it with our kids. Oh, what I've given up for you. What, how I've served you. You, why aren't you grateful to me? We do it with our mates. We do it with our employees and our co-workers. It's all... I just want us to think through just the, just are we is it a game of charades where I'm I'm playing a part I'm I'm thankful to the let us pray God thank you but it's just a charade when down deep I know and I believe with all my heart the good things in my life I deserve them and I earned them. Versus, has the Holy Spirit invaded my life and opened my eyes like He did my dad's? Like He did uh, 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 Kanye West uh, and, and Nebuchadnezzar. He opened their eyes and they realized Apart from God's goodness, I am nothing, I have nothing, and I'm headed for nothing. So this, this week as we move toward Thanksgiving, let's not play games. Let's, let's try to find ways to let the people around us know I am grateful. I'm grateful for you. I really am. And I'm, I'm grateful for God's blessings and God's provision. And um, let other people know that you're grateful for them. That they're a part of God's provision and blessing in your life. And I would just throw in for what it's worth. If you're sitting there going, well, I think what you've said is a bunch of baloney. I, 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 let me tell you something. I'm one of those people that went 50 miles uphill in the snow to school and back up 50 miles the other way. Everything I've got is, a, is because of me. I would appeal to you that uh, you let the Lord Jesus Christ invade your life. He might, he might show you uh, the truth of, of His provision, His blessing. Okay. Um, Doug, Lisa, y'all come up here and help me. Please.
2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You know, the implication there is that we're poor. Rich people don't need other rich people to become poor to make them rich. Poor people, they, they, they'd love for some rich people to become poor to make them rich. What, you, what Paul's saying there in that verse is that Jesus saw that we were not just poor, but destitute. And he willingly laid aside his riches and became destitute with us and for us so that he then could share with us his riches. Do you see yourself as poor? Do you see yourself as in need of a Savior? Are you filled with joy and thanksgiving because somebody did that for you? Every week we eat bread and we drink wine as a way of declaring. That describes me. There was a day when I realized just how poor I was. And I heard about a Savior who was rich. And he wanted to share his riches with me. And I said, I sure would like to be the beneficiary of that. If that describes your life, if you can remember that poverty that you once experienced that defined you, but now you would say, I'm, I am rich. Not that which I've earned, but that which I've been given freely by the Son of God. If that's your testimony, I want you to come and eat bread, drink wine, and remember and give thanks. And uh, if you need prayer, there'll be some people over by each of these set of windows who would love to pray with you. You come.